Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at the Diddy NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and part one of a two-part special on the draft. And of course, like we do every year, we have two of the absolute greats and heavyweights in the Packers sphere on the podcast with me to lead me and all the listeners through a pretty dodgy time full of misinformation we have at IT Hedgehog, Peter Jones, the usual, and of course, the draft guru himself, at Pooley Shrew, Andy Davies. What's going on, fellas? I'm I'm, I'm good, Steve. I'm not sure about being a heavyweight. Um, clearly sitting on the couch too long recently. But, uh, <laughs> too many kettle but no. crisps. <laughs> really, really good, thanks. How about you, Andy? Yeah, good evening, chaps. Yeah, I hope you're safe and well. Yeah, doing really well. Draft is going to be the, the highlight of the sporting calendar, I think. So looking forward to it. And what do we think? I mean, this draft, right, there's a real fear, even though they said they're going to release the schedule, Andy, as normal, and the games are going to go ahead as normal. Do you envision, uh, this is just conspiracy stuff straight off the bat, do you envision the fact that the season might be um, pushed or that we could end up having two drafts before a regular season kicks in? You'd have to think it's a real possibility, wouldn't you? You know, I think... um... Maybe it's the Bengals and the Jaguars have played in front of empty stadiums for years and years, but the rest of the NFL can't do that, can they? We're <laughs> <laughs> looking for advice, all right? Yeah. It's just pretty impossible, isn't it? You know, who knows in the world of Trump? Um, but um, yeah, it's got to be. There's got to be a percentage odds that it, the season's got to be at risk at some point. Yeah, and Pete, when it comes to something like that, I mean, how would the league? cope I guess right because you delve into the draft stuff the same with Andy and with all the the college players you would imagine if there's no college there's no college game either do we have enough tape on all of these guys that if we had to forgo a year that they would keep their draft capital effectively well yes but I I think I think the issue is going to be about the eligibility of, of, of players if there was no college season what happens to those guys that would be seniors let's say in 2020 yeah. Do they get that year of eligibility back so that they can play in 2021? Um, it's going to be those kinds of questions. You know, a player has to be three years removed from high school to to go into the draft. How is how is all of that going to work? So, yeah, I think there's enough out there on on the players themselves, but I think there'll be all kinds of questions about eligibility and that kind of thing if if there was no season. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, it affects so much, and as you say, it's the it's those technical things. Um, that really get in the way but it's um, I think especially for this podcast we will proceed as if we are going to have a season um, be it in front of fans or not in front of fans it's really going to hit against our annual trip which we go over every year but again we have the social media accounts we have the YouTube channel we have you guys it's going to be fine we're going to get through it but there's enough, There's so many talking points in the media um, for this draft with the Packers, right? So there was the wide receiver angle. We went out and got Devin Funches. That split the fan base down the middle. And I say down the middle, I actually mean 90-10 because 90% were going crazy seemingly on Twitter <laughs> and 10% were fine. Maybe we can start there, Andy, because we haven't got your opinion on that type of stuff yet. So let me hit you with this narrative, right? We need a wide receiver. That's obvious. We've needed a wide receiver for ages. You can certainly give us some perspective around how we've neglected that position over the years, right? Let me throw some other angle at you. I see uh, a couple of the experts saying that 
uh, Aaron Rodgers, there's, and I think this too, to a degree, right? There's a bit of a trust issue there. And then other people are saying, well, he can't trust young receivers if they're drafted too late. There's that whole angle as well. So I guess taking all of that kind of stuff into account, right? You bring in a guy like Devin Funches. The first one is, what do you think of him? The second one is, is is that Goody stacking up on positions? Like we went out and got the Smiths and then we draft Rashawn Gary. Uh, we went out and got Adrian Amos, but we draft Darnell Savage. So is it an any indicator that we have Funches, after you tell us what you think about him, that we do or don't go wide receiver in round one? Um, so firstly, Funches, um, he is as advertised, really. His, his tape says it all. He's a big-bodied receiver. Um, he's not quick, <clears throat> but he's not slow. Um, decent hands, but not superb. Wins a contested catch, almost like we've got two or three of them already, really. Um I think he'll play the the big slot role potentially. Um, it's a it's a small a small gamble if you like. It's we've got him at a good price. It's not a, a huge impact to the salary cap. Um, I think it's a, a decent enough pickup in what was a, a pretty average crop of free agent wide receivers. Um, it's probably six months too late to me. <clears throat> we sort of, sort of cribbed the pick of um, Sean Gary last year. It's not so much the pick of Gary as the player. My my beef was it that I thought we were potentially one or two players away from a Super Bowl roster last year, and last year would have been the year to invest in a in an extra weapon of Debo Samuel quality for Mister Rogers. That's the bit that is for me. Is he? I think when you're looking at Gooty in terms of evaluating his performance, I think there's a bigger question to answer in terms of his evaluation of our own roster as opposed to the draft capital. So when you're looking at the likes of, obviously, ESB spent the, the year on injured reserve, but Valdez Scantlin and, and Allison and Kumaro, for all that one or two of those may have been fan favourites at the start of the year, they were never a firm favourite of mine. And I think as the season wore out, you could see that it was going to end in a position where we were maybe one or even two weapons short of being a, a, a really threatening offence at the biggest game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I think that it's it's as as it was last year. I think wide receiver is still a position of need, and, and the quality is certainly there this year. At, at um, probably at the biggest level since what 2014, I would guess. Mm. Yeah, and and Peter, with, with that said, then right. So if Funches is that big-bodied kind of almost wide receiver tight end hybrid in the middle, and we're playing him in the slot, do you subscribe to the fact that? So let's let's look at the scenario that we do go for a wide receiver in round one in this draft. Um, you know, you've done all the research into, you know, is it stacked at wide receiver? And I guess you can maybe look at that trope too. Peter, is this draft as good for wide receivers as we're led to believe by the media? And with that said, do we try draft the best receiver that falls to us if we go for a receiver with our first pick? Or do we try draft a player that is adept on the perimeter as opposed to in the slot? Or does that even exist with this crop of wide receivers? So, so I think that, I think that you've got one or two players who are um, probably better in the slot. Tyler Johnson, Minnesota's one. Justin Jefferson's the name that keeps cropping up, but I don't subscribe to that, as I mentioned the other day. Hmm. Right. So, so I think if you look at his 2018 tape, he played a lot lined up wide. Um, so, so I don't subscribe to that. Um, yes, this group is as, is as good as advertised. I, 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 str- I, strongly, I strongly believe that. Um, but the way I kind of envisage this group is I, th- I think you've got a group of 
three or four in the in in the in the first round, um, or the or the top half of the first round, if 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 you like, which is um, C D Lamb, Ruggs, Judy, and Justin Jefferson, and then I think you've got a group of eight or nine, who probably in any other year would be first round picks. So yeah. I think you've got twelve. 12 or 13 players that you could probably make a case for in, in another year would go in the first round, maybe towards the end of the first round, but you could make a case for them. So I think you've got 12 or 13 players that if you took one of those at pick 30, you could make a case for saying, actually, it's probably about the right value. Yeah. My prop, my issue, my way of thinking, I guess, with it is, is if you can't get one of those top four and you're certainly not going to get the top three. And I think, Justin Jefferson's the one, the, the question mark, because he's falling in this anywhere between pick 15 to 25 area, probably, is if the top three have gone, but Justin Jefferson's there, do you make a slight move up to get Jefferson? Do you take him at 30 if, he, if he's there? I think the answer is yes. Um, but if if not, then you've got this other group of, of eight or nine and then for me, if receiver is where you want to go in the first round, then you're in trade-down territory. Because I don't think there's much to choose between receiver 5 and receiver 12. Um, and I think, you know, you can trade down 10 or 15 slots and still get one of equal value there. So I, th- so I think you're absolutely in, in, in trade-down territory if receiver is absolutely what you want to do with that first pick. And, it's, and that's a big if. That's, and that is the question here, Andy, right? Is that we have so many needs uh, between defensive line, wide receiver, inside linebacker, O-line. When we look ahead to D-back needing a contract, Corey Lindsley needing a contract, um, and who we have coming up behind those guys, to you, what is the actual need that the Packers go for? Now, I know there's that whole draft philosophy that you go for the best player available. So if Justin Jefferson is there, you can't pass him up. But in an ideal world... Um, and I, I guess depending on, on what players are there, like what what is the number one need? Do you think for the Packers going into this for us to try and make a Super Bowl run, or are we being realistic talking about Super Bowl runs? Did last year just pan out with tight games and us sort of you know limping over the line in some of those games? Are we Super Bowl contenders? And what's the one position of need that you think we need? I think the board will make the mind up for us, to be honest, because mm. I think the top. Offensive line talent for me, the top three or four guys will be will be well gone before we pick at thirty. So if you have any aspirations of getting those guys, it's going to be a significant trade up, which I don't think is something that we will do. Um, so I think offensive line would be my first priority, given that the contract, you know, details that you've just described at the end of next year. Um, I think the San Francisco game is fresh in the memory, so I think D line is is something that we need to consider as well. So I think that Kiki will come through and prove a, prove a real sort of improving year two player next year. But I still think that that's going to be something that will live long in the memory. They're getting gashed by the 49ers. So I think D-lines is, is definitely a priority. And then I think it's wide receiver. Mm. But I think as Peter's perfectly described, that I think that the, the top three guys will definitely be gone. Um, Jefferson, who I think is fantastic, I think he'll also be gone which leaves you in a position that the likes of maybe Mims or Rager or Chenault, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't take any of those at 30. I'd be trading back out, absolutely. Um, because I, I, it's just the way the board falls. I don't think any of those three guys will be there at the back end of round two. Mm. I don't know what you think, Peter, but yeah. for me, I don't, I don't think any of those three guys will make it to the 
the back end of round two, so you, you find yourself in no man's land. Um, the other thing with the offensive line is, for me, is that the, past the top three or four guys, every other guy that you sort of mentioned in the top ten has got severe question marks next to them. So I, I, I don't know. People keep talking to me about depth of the offensive line this year. I, I don't see it, if I'm honest. I think there's a lot of projected players, players for the future. We need help next year and, and probably 2021, you know, pretty soon. So um, it's a real gambit. I, I would be, if I was going to put my money on a first round pick, Steve and Naomi Cullis to the master, I would say we would be trading back out and then you can take your pick of D-line and wide receiver. Um, I think O-line will come probably round two. And how about you, Pete? Um, if the assumption is, uh, like what Andy's saying, that, you know, the first four wide receivers that are at the top are gone, uh, we see value in trading out what position do you go for? And can you throw us out a couple of names at those positions? Um, I guess, you know, ones that are kind of more obvious or do the Packers go a bit sort of sideways and pick someone that we don't expect? And I'm looking back to the likes of Kenny Clark here uh, that people didn't expect. Do we go as the projections have them for you or do we go a little bit sideways? So I think that, so in, in an ideal world for me, I would, I would as, actually, as Andy's just described, I, I would like to look at offensive tackle if we stayed at, if we stayed at 30. Hmm. The, the, the problem with offensive tackle is, is there's four really good guys, Worths, Wills, Mackay Becton and, and, and Andrew Thomas. And then after that, I guess there's a fifth guy, um, Josh Jones of Houston, who probably doesn't fall to 30 either. And then after that, you've got a bunch of guys that have question marks. And, and, and most of the question marks about the likes of Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wilson, and Ezra Cleveland, whose name keeps coming up, is there's a lot of potential. There's huge upside. You keep hearing all of those words about those guys, but they're not guys that you think that, that they're, they're not going to come in and play on day one. Yeah. And that may be, and that may be okay um, because, you know, we're looking towards a potential replacement, heaven forbid, for David Bakhtiari. We're looking for a right tackle for the future. Uh, and, that, and that's okay if you, go, if you want to go down that route. You're probably better off going down that route by trading back 10 or so slots again and, and getting one of those, one of those guys. Mm. Um, but don't expect that that's the guy that's going to come in and, and push you over the edge in 2020 because that ain't going to be the case. So if, if you're looking for a guy that's going to come in and contribute um, immediately in, in 2020, it's not one of those offensive linemen. You know, again, you're probably looking at looking at a, tr a trade down to the to the wide receiver group. Um, Andy's mentioned some of those names, Denzel Mims, um, Jalen Rager, Chenault. Um, I like Brandon Ayuk of Arizona State. Um, but again, he's in that group of guys that you could make a case for as I say, seven or eight of those of those guys. I think if you go defensive line, again, beyond the top two, probably Derek Brown and, and Javon Kinlaw, there isn't a guy that you would say is definitely a first-round pick. Um, you know, I like I like um, Russ Blacklock, Ross Blacklock at TCU. Um, there's Neville Gallimore, but those guys are guys that you would think are they're fringe first-rounders probably really second round picks yeah and, and again so you're in this question of picking at 30 where's my best value and it, it kind of feels like 30 is a real in-betweeny place really in-betweeny place to be um and it probably is every year 
you know, when you get down to 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 that far in the draft, you've probably got a group of 10 or 15 players at the top of the draft. And then your second group's probably 30 players. Uh, and then you're, you're kind of in this, just really a case of, of, of what you like and what you're particularly looking for. But yeah, I mean, if, if it, if it was, if it was tackle around the 30 or maybe, maybe trade down area, we're looking at Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wilson, that kind of, um, those kind of players. If it's defensive line, you're probably looking at Ross Blacklock at TCU, um, Neville Gallimore. Um, and, and I guess the other position, well, we'll leave that one to the, to the, when we do the defensive pod, but the other position that you're potentially looking at, well, I guess I've just talked about the defensive line as well. <laughs> so, but I guess the other position you're potentially looking at is, is, is linebacker, but we'll leave that one till Sunday. Yeah. So Andy, when it comes to offensive line then and wide receiver, um, I guess the, the number one question is, is how do you see this draft going? Is it an offensive centric draft? Or are we sort of splitting it down the middle going half D, half O, kind of a nice mix? Um, and because this podcast is the offensive one, um, if we're looking at wide receiver and O-line, be it in whatever round, what names do you think could potentially end up with the Packers, be they, you know, the creme de la creme, like, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, or down, if we don't get him, what names would you like to see being drafted by the Packers, even in later rounds? I would like to see us attack it at some point in round two, but I think we'd have to move back up from our later pick. So I think the guys that Peter already alluded to, so Mims, I think he looks excellent. I think I think the, the, the pipe dream of Jefferson just is unlikely to happen. Um, the guy Rager from TCU is a bit of an enigma, enigma, but he would be interested in round two. I think Brandon Ayuk, the guy Peter alluded to there, is definitely a, a good option. I think Michael Pittman, I prefer him over Chase Claypool, if I'm honest. I think he's got a good stock and I, I like what he brings to the table, but is he too similar to what we've already got? I don't know, maybe it's good. He just likes collecting six foot three wide receivers, so you never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think further down, I think the further down you go, I think it's probably, I think we might double dip. I think you might try and see somebody in the later rounds that we, uh, we dip in and out of. Maybe it's the likes of Hightower or. Gabriel Davis, someone of that nature, or even the Swiss Army knife, someone like Lynn Bowden, James Prosh, maybe something like that. I quite like Courtney Davis. I don't know, Peter's probably got a bit more of an angle on him. The guy from Texas A&M later on, I think he, he stands out on tape to me. He's quite a quick twitch guy. So yeah, no, I think and I think that's a good description for for, Court, for Courtney Davis. Actually, that, that's that's exactly who he is. He's not, you know, he's not a super super fast guy, decent. Um, um, Oh, without checking his numbers, his speed was four five something. Um, so it's so a decent speed, but not but not quick. But he's a, but he is a super twitch guy. Gets open, gets separation, and um, if I remember rightly, uh, he's a he's a he's a phys- he's a physical guy. So he's quite quite aggressive. Um, so yeah, I quite like I quite Courtney Davis. Um, I like Andy's Andy's mentioning um, Michael Pittman there because he really so he's in that towards the end of that second group that we talked about. So around about number 11, 12 ish in the, in the, in the wide receivers. So he could last till 30, maybe. Um, it just depends on what team, what teams like, you know, I could see him, somebody taking him at the end of the first round and I wouldn't argue, mm. but, but he's, he's, he's a guy that I think will probably last till well into the second round. Um, but the reason I've mentioned him is he does, he absolutely fits the physical, 
characteristics, if you like, of, of the receivers, like a Funches, like a Lazard, like a um, Valdez Scantling, that kind of big, big receiver. And if that's the kind of, you know, if that's Gooty's blueprint, as, and, as Andy says, it wouldn't be a surprise to see, you know, the Packers take Pittman if he were, if he were there in the second round. And as well as that, Andy, right, we, we get carried away with Wisconsin players and Badgers players, and I'm seeing a constant thread of Quintus Cephas um, on the timeline. Now, he's seen a slow, and from uh, your guide as well, Pete, uh, you know, we're talking about him being slow, uh, bad route running. That's surely just a massive no-no for the Packers. Like, we don't need a guy uh, like him in there, Andy, right? Do you want to rubbish that from the start? <laughs> um what, we, we don't want a, a, a slow rope runner from the slot running five yard outs for the one yard after the catch kind of guy, no? Is that what we're saying, Steve, yeah? Uh, I know that breaks tradition, <laughs> but are we saying definitely no? <laughs> trying to be nice as best as I can. <laughs> uh, the real opinion shining through, Andy, it's shining through. But never right, going to go away. <laughs> so, so speaking about these big guys, Andy, right? I mean, we have Jay Sternberger there um, at tight end. Uh, in this draft, is there any value to be had at tight ends? It's not a draft that I see many people, you know, fanfaring about tight ends. It seems like, you know, there's not a whole lot of talent there. I did see you, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, mentioning be it Hunter or Harrison Bryant uh, for the Packers. How late does that have to be in the draft for us to hit tight end? Or would you be a fan of going a little bit early? It's a pretty average class again i'm probably being quite yeah. kind i think if <laughs> yeah. sternberger was coming out this year he'd be, he'd be the top tight end in this class for me so um it, it's not great there's not a lot of depth there there's not a lot of sleepers even just with limited athletic ability you know ex-basketball players the types that you're normally looking for as a bit of a, a springer in the market there's, there's not that type there they're a pretty pedestrian bunch the, the two i particularly like um so you talked about hunter brian he reminds me of um was it DJ Williams we took from Arkansas a few years ago? It was six foot two, um, yeah. uh, and and did an okay sort of college career. But there's not a lot of six foot two tight ends that are making it big in the NFL. So I, for that reason, I sort of I look past him. I like the other guy, Harrison Bryant from Florida Athletic, Atlantic. Sorry, um, I just like his persona. He's got a he's got an air about him when you listen to the guy talk in his interviews, and he's an athletic dude, and I just quite like he's got a, a bit of a hint of arrogance about him and I quite like that he reminds me of Travis Kelsey the way he plays the game so that wouldn't be a bad thing um, I think he models himself on uh, the uh, George Kittle as well he often alludes to him so he would be my number one preference um, and I take a bit of, of a punt at the guy from Dayton so I looked at small school I thought Adam Troutman's got some physical prowess about him yeah. not as quick but but I certainly think in the red zone he could be a a bit of a threat. So those are my two main guys. I don't know, Peter likes Hopkins, doesn't he? So those would be the three, I think, for me to take out of it. Anybody else, really, um, I wouldn't be interested. Um, a very average bunch. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, dis- I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, you, you look at this, this group of, group of tight ends. Um, and whilst I think, you know, Cole Komet's probably the, probably the best one in there. He's only had one, one good year he's a so-so blocker and you, and you look at the group as a whole and Troutman actually is probably the the most complete player in that in in that group but played at a re- played at a really small school so you've got you, you know you, you've got a question at least a question mark around 
around around that. But if you look at all of the group, you know, you can find as many um, deficiencies in each player as you can, something to be positive about. You know, you can you can find a guy that can catch but can't block, or a guy that can catch but can't run, um, a guy that can block but can't catch. You know, it, it's. <laughs> It, it, you know, a, a guy that's got a guy that's got great speed but no hands. You know, it, 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 <laughs> that, that, that's what you kind of see. I mean, you know, Hunter, Hunter Bryant's a great example of a guy with 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 decent speed, good hands, but at six foot two, two forty. He, he's not a pro tight end. You know, you look at that and you think, I don't quite know where he fits. You know, yeah. somebody's going to have to do some clever scheming to to you know to find a, a home for hunter Bryan, and doing that clever scheming means he isn't the tight end that you're looking for you know you might be able to play him in the slot a bit and whatever else but he isn't a pro tight end he's not kittle he's not zach Ertz, he's not one of those guys so yeah it, it, it's a group where i think if you get to the third or fourth round and one of these guys in the in the top four or five in that group of tight ends is still there, then I think you might consider one at that point. Yeah. Depending on obviously who else is available and and what have you. But there isn't one that, that jumps off the page and said, I'd really like to have that guy. So Pete, there's no one at a late round that you'd say it's late on, let's just pick one for the for the sake of it. That would be bad value, do you think, in, in this draft? Well, I, th- I think I think that when you get down to the down to the later rounds, I mean Thaddeus Moss's name keeps coming up. He's probably going to go in the middle rounds, but I, I I don't see that. I personally don't see that. I I think a lot of that is about the fact that he's Randy Moss's son. Yeah, and then he happens <laughs> he happens to play tight end as well. But um, I, I you know there's a bunch of guys later on um that you think yeah I might take one in round in round six or seven almost as a throwaway kind kind of guy, a Jacob Breland out of Oregon or a Pinkney out of Vanderbilt. Um, but to me, that would almost be a, th- a throwaway pick at that point. Yeah. Um, I'll th- throw th- one name out there for you, yeah. Steve. A guy called Ben Ellefson from North Dakota State. Yeah. I think he made, I think he just sneaked onto Peter's top 25. <laughs> Maybe he's, um, he yeah. but he's got some, um, he's got some talent. I think he'd be worth a, a seventh round punt. Yeah, he's the only one that I had start up at tight end anyway. That's interesting. I love those as well, Andy, because we're we always come to the section where we pick your brain on super sleeper picks. Now I said it in the last podcast. Just you can I can almost see the steam coming off some of your messages the odd time because it's when the media start to jump on and then all the copycasts just do a copy paste job on some of these guys that start to move up draft boards. And whereas you've had your your sneaky eye on them the whole way, but before we get to those. Something that's not being tipped around Green Bay a whole lot is running backs. Now, there are the sort of the fantasy stuff of Jonathan Taylor, of course, and that's because he's a badger and I saw him live and again, he instantly stuck out to me like an absolute baller. So when it comes to running back in this, what do you think, Andy, with the credence of um, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, you know, their contracts coming up next year about it? Like... Of course, there's people that will say, you know, Jones has to be extended. Uh, he's a massive part of this offense. Do you think that's true? True, And do you think that in this draft, we do anything at running back? Because you always seem to have your finger on the pulse when it comes to running back. I remember my job was to the floor when you start predicting the running backs that we were going to keep two or three years ago. And especially sort of further down the roster, the kind of no-name guys. And we saw some high sort of end casualties on that cut down uh, to the final roster. So what are you thinking about running back here? Uh, for the Packers, 
Well, they're two really good dudes, aren't they? Really two really good teammates. They get on well. They've produced. But it was over one year, wasn't it? So mm. I think if the season goes ahead and we get the full the full schedule and the playoffs and all that, let's see the longevity, the injuries that can figure into running back. It's such a such a compromised position in terms of injuries, isn't it? So it's early, it's too early to call for me. I think that the, the yes, it's going to be an issue with the contracts in in both instances. But I think you take one. Um, I think it was pretty obvious that. Dexter Williams didn't impress the hierarchy last year, <laughs> yeah. um, and for various indicators would would indicate that. So, I guess he's got his hands full to make an impression this off season. Um, and I would like to see us sort of dip into the running back market um, at least once. And I'm sure they'll bring in plenty of free agents to undrafted free agents to 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 make the competition a little bit stiffer. But there's one or two guys. I think that I think round four to five, um, maybe it's even six. There's plenty of guys there that have got more than enough potential to, to provide competition for camp on the short term and potentially provide a solution long term if the contracts do become an issue. Yeah. And Pete, you have in the draft guide that what it's sort of a team with all of these running backs is they've great hands, they're good as receivers as that dual threat. How do you feel about running backs in this draft? Do you concur with Andy that we sort of leave it till the later rounds or do you think it's worth a risk to try take somebody at the higher rounds or will the value just not be there because the best guys will be taken off the board? Uh, I think that I think the value's probably there. I think probably wherever you pick a running back in the in this draft, you know, you if you were to take one, and I don't think they will, by the way, but if you were to take one at pick thirty in the first round, assuming a Jonathan Taylor or a um, a Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins is there, then it's value. Yeah, it wouldn't be my it wouldn't be my my choice, and I would be I'd be very surprised if they went running back that 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 high. Um, but but I think, and it's probably a general theme. I think once you get down to kind of round three, round four, round five, round six, you're then looking at you you're then looking at the board, and I think you're very much into truly best player available at at, at that point at the positions that you're looking for. Um, so I guess we're trying to second guess where Goody's head is around um, the future of of Aaron Jones and and, and Williams and. Um, I, I suspect they'll take a running back. I suspect it won't be until about round four or five. Um, and you know the names that 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 Andy's mentioned are, are, the, are the kind of the kind of names you would you would expect. I um, um I know that Andy's been high on um, Darrington Evans of Appalachian State, and he's a guy that. Without without speaking for Andy, he's a, he's a guy that can do everything mm. and does it well, and is very 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 productive at, at the level that he's that he's played at, and is an exciting exciting back. Yeah, um, I like Edward Zelaire of of LSU, but he's more of a re- I think he's more of a receiving back than he is a a runner in the NFL. So I think he'll do a solid job as a as a running back, but he's not got great breakaway speed. Um, but he's good. If you're looking for a running back that's going to catch 60 passes a year, he's the guy. Um, but he's probably going in the second round. Yeah. And so he's probably a name that, unless they've got him high on their board and they're set on him, you know, it would be very, very surprising if they were if they were to go that route. So um, fourth, fifth, or sixth round would be kind of where I would imagine that they would go. And I know that that Andy's got some 
got some names and I've kind of stolen his thunder with with Evans there, but I'm, I'm sure that Andy's got some other names that he's really interested in. Yeah, did these running backs feature on your sleepers, Andy? Yeah, my, my list of sleepers is Evans and there's a massive gap of about 70 people till the next person. So <laughs> if, we, if we just take Evans and then leave the rest to the draft, I'd be a happy chap. Um, he reminds me of Aaron Jones. Mm. Yeah, um, yep. in many ways, yep. um, it, with his patience and his his eye for his seam, he's just got that spring in his step. Um, I, I think he's a he's a star in waiting. So if he's around, sort of rounds four or five, um, it'd be I'd be snapping him up. So um, I like. There's a couple of other guys to think about in terms of different different skill sets. Really, I think Peter's already alluded to a couple, but I think Cam Akers. If he lasts to the end of the third round or maybe the start of the fourth, then he would be a consideration because he's he's an athletic freak. I think he's uh, he could, he could do it all. So yeah. I think he'll be somebody to look out for. Um, I think Perrine's a much more like Michael Perrine from Florida. I know Peter likes him, but I think he's got he's less flashy. He's more of a workman like running running back. Yeah. Um, but I think he would be a steady Eddie as opposed to a bit more flashy. Um, and then the wild card would probably be Antonio Gibson for Memphis because um, he's listed as a wide receiver, isn't he? But I think he'd, he'd be more more suited to running back in the NFL, I would imagine. And he'd probably fill that role as a, a Swiss Army Knight type, yeah. the jet sweeps and things of that nature that we've tried to run previously and not run them very well. So I think that um, he, I think we need something of that ilk, something to to keep defenses guessing. Um, so he would be a, a strong play, I think. Um, I think Joshua Kelly's probably um, the other guy that I would probably consider sort of five, six. Um, and then the last guy was um, a guy called Raymond Kelly from Louisiana. He's just a speedball. I was thinking more about the return game than probably the running game right now, but he was just somebody else to, to think about as a bit of a wild card later on. And Peter, that's an important point, actually, isn't it? The the sort of skill position. Do you see any sort of um, Swiss Army knives? A guy who's good on returns, um, sort of a late round pick or sort of sleeper from your end, then who you are looking at in this draft? Well, I, I like Calais. I like um, I like Gibson, um, who 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 Andy mentioned, and I, and I like I like Gibson because again, real Swiss Army knife, and I think that he gives he would give them something that they don't have. You know that this this guy that you could you could you could bring in, you can line him up anywhere. Line him up anywhere in the backfield. Line him up out wide, um, and as Andy said, you can do all kinds of all kinds of things with him. So if you're looking for something different, something that they don't that they don't have, somebody who's probably only going to cost you a who knows, say a fourth fourth round pick. He might go, he might go higher than that. He probably shouldn't go higher than that. But he's one of those guys who's potentially a bit like Tony Pollard last year, his name starts to rise as, as you get closer and closer to the, to the draft. Um, but you know, if you can get somebody like Gibson in the fourth or fifth round, then I think that's a, that would be a really great pickup. Now we cannot leave the offensive position draft. And I'm aiming this at you, Andy, because I think you're falling in love when you talk about quarterbacks. So what is the likelihood of drafting somebody high and then if we do, what names are you looking at? I think I know the answer. But what name is standing out to you <laughs> that you just can't get past? It's, it's, not, it's not solely based on ability. It's just based on the fact that when you sort of try and, and I'm going to use that word that you really hate, when you try and mock it up and see who's <laughs> going to take who and, and where yeah. the board's going to fall, uh, there's a strong possibility uh, the quarterback 
position that probably Jordan Love and mm. possibly Justin Herbert fall quite a way down round one. Now, that, that maybe is not the case, but the only reason why those two guys get sort of peaking interest is because potentially uh, they're there at 30. Now, it could act no more than trade bait for somebody wanting to get back into the first round to, to pick one of those two guys. And if that works out well for the Packers that we, that we get that, then I'm all for that. I don't think it's his skill set and where he is in his development right now is not the sole reason that I think that we'll have an interest. The fact that we've, I think we've spoken to him, have we not? I think yeah. In pre-draft sort of Skypes or whatever we're using right now. Um, so I think he's an option. I, th- I think it's the wrong year to do it, if I'm perfectly honest, in in either round one or, or two. I think there's there's enough guys further down the board, if I'm putting my GM's hat on, to, to warrant going that way, as opposed to t- taking the sort of swing on either Jordan Love or Justin Herbert. If I was going to do it, it would be me. It would be Jordan Love over the, the guy from Oregon, um, simply because I think he's got a higher ceiling. Um it was more based around the fact that's the way I see the board drop in. Mm. So that option will be there. What he what he does with that is 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 anybody's guess, I guess. So I, I think there's guys down the board with Browns five, six, whether it's Anthony Gordon from Washington or James Morgan, the Green Bay native. Um, there's a couple of guys um, I quite like, Stephen Montes from Colorado, or, or even Cole McDonald from Hawaii, who are just raw talents that could probably provide a little bit of training camp competition at the very least. So that would be my preferred option, but don't rule it out. I think I think the um, the possibility of particularly love being there at 30 is a strong one. Yeah, Peter, are we drafting for, is it a succession plan? Are we drafting because that's where the value is? Are we drafting because we're going to have the same success that we obviously had with Brett Hundley, right? Where we could have massive trade value when we you know, have to put him out there and then he shows the nation what he can actually do. I mean, what's the rationale around quarterbacks for you? Well, I, I think I think there's all, all kinds of schools of thought here. So, so I think, let, let's start with the, I think they need to try and upgrade the backup, the backup position. Um, so, so I think a guy in those middle, middle rounds again, fourth, fifth, sixth round, um, as and Andy's mentioned that the types of names, um, Anthony Gordon, James Morgan, those kind of, those kind of guys. So, so I absolutely would not be surprised to see the Packers take one in those latter rounds, if you like, latter middle, middle rounds yeah. as a guy that's going to come in and hopefully win the, win the backup job. And you're not expecting that guy to come in and be the next Aaron Rodgers or the next Brett Favre. But what you want is a guy that can come in and if he has to play for two or three games due to an injury, that, that, that you know, he can lead the team through those games. That's what you're looking for. If you get more than that out of that kind of guy, then it then it's then it's a bonus. Mm. I think uh, I, I think they've got an interesting <laughs> decision to make if they get to pick 30 and Jordan Love's still there. Um, as Andy said, for me, it's a year or even two years too early to be taking one, just just because, at the very least, Aaron Rodgers' contract position means that, um, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances, he's he's the starter for the next three or four years, so um, two or three years at least. So it's probably a year or so too early, but uh, but. <laughs> They would be in quite a quite an interesting position if Jordan Love dropped to, dropped to 
30. And they might well be hoping if that happened that, that, that there is a team sitting in the second round that offers them a silly trade to move up to get him. Yeah. Um, higher up the first round to me, the, the interesting one to me is, is, is whether uh, Tua Vailoa starts to drop we just don't know how teams are seeing his injury situation. You know, clearly, if that injury situation weren't there, it'd almost certainly be the number one overall pick, I believe. Um, but with that injury, you, you know, without having all of the inside information, and it's easy for reporters to say it seems to be healing well, et cetera, et cetera. You just don't know what the medical situation that the teams have got, what they know that we don't know. If that guy starts starts to drop, and what typically happened, you know, we we saw it with Aaron Rodgers all those years ago, and it happened with Dan Marino in '83. When those guys start to drop, they drop because everybody else gets who's picking after the guy that you know, the team that thought well, they were going to take them thinks, well, there's a reason they've not taken them, and you know it kind of starts to perpetuate itself, and those guys start slipping down the board. Um, and it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he drops to about pick 20 or so. Um, I'm still not suggesting that if I were the Packers, I would trade up to get him. But it would just be interesting, as, almost as an aside, to see what happens with him on draft day. Yeah. Um, having said all that, somebody will probably trade up to number two and take him <laughs> and take him there. But, but um, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if the Packers took a quarterback early but if Jordan loves there they've got an interesting decision to make right so we've ran through all the positions right so let's dive forward Andy and say that the draft is done and you're a newspaper reporter and you're writing about the Packers picks what are you writing about what's the narrative who do you see the Packers picking up and how do you see them performing in this draft Almost an impossible question, but if you were to sort of say to yourself, right, you know, they're probably likely going to trade out of the first round, they're going to go wide receiver, probably second, third pick, as opposed to, you know, using their first on it. I mean, how do you see this one going for the Packers? Um, yeah, it's an impossible question. Um, I'll, I'll answer it in the best way that I would approach it. So, um, trade out the first round, absolutely. Um, I would go... So you're looking at probably best case scenario, early part of round two, defensive line, first pick. I think a name that Peter alluded to, either the guy from TCU, is it Ross Blacklock, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Or I think the guy from, um, I think AJ Epinesa might drop. So that would be my preferred choice at, at sort of one stroke start of the second round. Then your wide receiver. Um at the at the middle of round two, uh, where would they go three? Um, if if one of the tight ends is there that we alluded to, I'd maybe think about that at that point. But it depends on what we didn't really sort of get into detail around the offensive tackles, did we? Um, I guess the guys for me that I would look at uh, that could potentially be there would be the likes of Matt Peart from Connecticut, um, Ben Barch from St. John's um, and I don't know I'd, I've just been watching some tape on the guy from Auburn Peter maybe you know a bit more about him the, the Prince Tiger yeah. Wanagoa is it but he plays on the left side and I think that we would generally be picking somebody who, who would preferably play on the right side I guess so um, offensive tackle would be there 
um, so that would sort of pick off the first two days, Stephen, mm. answer to your question. Yeah. Um, it just depends how they see. Um, I think Billy Turner's got a big role to play, hasn't he? Yeah. He played okay inside, I would suggest, would be the best way to describe it in terms of right guard last year. Um, are they going to sort of continue with that theory? And I think the right side of the line is still open to a lot of debate and a lot of uh, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge yet for that one. Yeah, with all the talk of him shifting over. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Aaron Rodgers seems to be, from whatever you can believe there, seems, you know, he keeps talking about he's happy that um, he's up front. Peter, how do you see it going then? If you're writing the report, you're sitting down, uh, you're blotting the pad with how this draft went for the Packers, how do you see it all shaping up? Um, so so I think, I, I think, despite the fact that number 30 is in kind of that in-betweeny place, I do think they're in quite a good position because you could you could almost justify them picking any position yeah. with their first pick, and you could make a case for it. It's not as though, you know, despite the fact they've gone to the NFC Championship game and had a, and a, had a fantastic um, 2019, it's not as though, you know, probably other than that starting quarterback, you know, you see that they're, they're totally set at any other position. You can make a case, uh, you know, as you've done with free agency coming up, you can make a case running back position the wide receiver you can make a case for almost any any position in the in the the opening pick so um that being the case that also for me says again you're in you're in trade down territory mm. because you're going to get a guy at a position that you want wherever, wherever you pick um so you know i i i'm in i'm in trade down territory and probably and probably um, I'm probably going. Oh, I don't know. I'm probably going. I'm, pro- I'm probably going. <laughs> I'm probably going. Wide, I'm probably going wide receiver, offensive tackle, but it depends on who which tackles are there when I go to pick at the end of the second round. Um, so if if, a, if an Isaiah Wilson's there, I'm okay with that. Um, but it dep- it depends on who's there. Mike. My concern about going that way is I want help on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking to to, to pick up a, an extra high pick when I do that trade down from 30. So if I'm trading from 30 to 40-ish, I'm hoping that somebody's throwing in at least another third rounder, if not a second rounder, to to um sweeten that trade. And in which case I'm then I'm then taking a defensive lineman um, with that with that other pick. Um, but I, but I, I think they're going to pick all over the board. So I don't think that there's a, a necessarily a concentration at particular positions as we go through the draft. You know, I don't see them picking three wide receivers, for example, like they did a couple of years ago. Um, I don't see them picking three corners. Um, so I think it, I think it's a it's a it's a mixture, and I, and I think that yeah, no, I think I I I just I just see them picking picking all over the board um, and they've got to get defensive help, but we'll talk about that on, on Sunday. So it's, so it's easy to think about, you know, we need help at the explosive positions, the wide receiver position, which we, which we absolutely do. But, but that NFC championship game threw up a lot of, a lot of concerns. I think we always apply the best player available ethos and we're always talked into believing that, but I think I'd be quite confident in terms of the trilogy of, O-line, D-line and wide receiver will be your first three picks. Now, whether that's two twos and a high three 
yeah. or a one, two, three, if we stand pat, <clears throat> I'd be pretty confident of that, Stephen. So I think it just depends which way the board falls there, which is why I edge towards defensive line first, because I don't think after those guys, there's, there's a lot left in the uh, in the locker. Yeah. Um, and potentially there's a, there's a little bit more in the larder for wide receivers, hence why you may leave that later. And then the offensive line, probably at the back end of two, high end of three, you're going to be taking one of the guys that, that have got that potential to go on and do a, a better job in the future. So I think the trilogy of those three positions for me would be, yeah. I'd be quite confident to say that I'll be the first three picks that you might get thrown around the inside linebacker. If someone like Murray or Queen, or we'll talk about um, at the end of the week, they may throw a bit of spanner in the works, but I think those three positions are the key positions right now. Yeah, you know they're going kicker first round now just to screw us. They're going, yeah, do you know what? We need a good old long snapper. That's what we need is a guy there. Excellent well, quality. Well, if he's, uh, who knows if his um, communication is not great. We lose his signal halfway through the... Uh, the <laughs> Zoom <minutes>. call. <laughs> the Zoom's off. Back <laughs> yeah, select kicker. <laughs> Oh, you never know. You never know. Yeah, he's he's trying to set his background to something really sexy and interesting, and all of a sudden he picks a long snapper by accident. Yeah, you just never know. You never know. Um, and it's weird as well. You know, at least the Bears this time, when they do something wild in this draft, they can say they were hacked or something. You know, so at least they'll have something to fall back on because Lord knows they haven't got a proper excuse until now. Well, look, boys, it's always fascinating. It's always fantastic to get the expert view. Um, it's a fantastic document. Um, with you know me sitting in and seeing you two boys go back and forward on it and exchange ideas and stuff like that and people from me to delve in has been super valuable and also this podcast is invaluable as well along with the document it's kind of like having a class and then having a workbook to do after um it's certainly <laughs> super fascinating stuff um and again it's only part one because we have part two coming up and i hope to uh, connect with you lads and do plenty of stuff around draft day and get frustrated and go to bed in their Jimmy Jammers after they go and trade out of the first round, as always. Um, <laughs> well, after, after, we, after we sat up for four hours, the Packers are on the board and then they trade out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, they won't give oh. pre-warning. Yeah, it'll be totally... They were on the buzzer and then all of a sudden, yeah, see you. Um, so at about ten past five in the morning. <laughs> yeah, absolute textbook. We need to adapt our mindset this year, though. You need to remember, mm. this is the number one sporting event of the year. There's no Major League Baseball. There's no NBA. Yeah. There's no soccer FA Cup finals going on this is it so pull up your popcorn (laughs) that's it get the nosh get the booze um you know head down the local get all that bring it back home so yeah it's a it's a weird one lads but again absolute pleasure uh doing which is and i'm gonna say always at the end of the podcast is where i do all my promotion that falls on deaf ears but we're doing a youtube competition we're trying to get to 500 subscribers and giving away a charles woodson jersey and again i don't know how you boys feel about it but it's one of the old reeboks now i have an aaron Rodgers old reebok jersey it fits the best so this is a charles woodson uh you know they say throwbacks but this is a proper uh nice jersey as well so anyway if you want in on that it's very very simple go to youtube.com forward slash UK Packers and click the subscribe button if you're that way inclined uh, you can click that bell and you'll get notified when we put out some videos but until and it's only till Sunday released on Monday our next podcast is coming um, on Monday the 20th and that's all about defence and we'll keep you posted and I strongly recommend that you follow at IT Hedgehog Peter Jones at Pooley Shrew um, Andy Davies and make sure that you follow these guys for all the content because as stuff sort of moves and shakes Andy and Pete will have you covered with um, their post-draft, pre-draft, during-draft um, thoughts on what's going on. Definitely invaluable. So, boys, 
Thanks very much for joining me today and we'll talk to you again on Sunday. But until then, it's from me at Steedy the NFL and from the group accounts at UK Packers. It's a big, massive go, Pack, go and speak to you soon.